This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Morning, everybody. Happy non-strike day. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's political correspondent, Aletha Adu. Good morning, Aletha. Morning, Susie. I hope everyone else got the green memo as well. And it's not just me. <laughs> now, uh, get into the comments. Ask us your questions. This is the People's Paper Review. So we'll try and do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast, I'm afraid you're just going to have to bid enough cash money that you can have dinner with the Prime Minister to scream at him instead. So what have we got today? Well, the mirror has splashed. Morning, Anna Maria. The mirror has splashed on the rail strikes and the eye-popping revelation, despite government claims that train drivers are all richer than Croesus, that the network, network, I'm not having trouble today, aren't I? That the network rail chief executive earns 20 times as much as a train guard. Andrew Haynes takes home, wait for it, £593,000 a year. Plus three grand in perks, because the salary is not enough of a perk um, for running the actual railway. While David King gets a mere 30 grand for doing rather better at actually making the train sort of run on time. Now, that might seem shocking to some people, but it's actually not that bad. According to analysis by the High Pay Centre, in the FTSE 100 companies, the average ratio is 67 to 1. Now, Aletha, is this just jealousy? Are people just, you know jealous of those who succeed and do better or is there real reason to worry that there's this massive sort of victorian mill owner style discrepancy in, in rates of pay it's really worrying susie i mean mick lynch uh general secretary of the rmt was saying yesterday that essentially we're going back into times where the rich are getting richer and the poor are essentially paying the rich get richer whilst they're getting poorer. We're getting really deep into this cost of living crisis. Just this morning, we've seen inflation skyrocketing to a decade, like 30 decade high of almost or just over 9%, which is astonishing for being in this 21st century, being in 2022. And essentially Downing Street and Boris Johnson are telling public sector pay workers that you should essentially expect a pay cut at this time, whilst admitting that, you know, they're happy to help pensioners struggling with this cost of living crisis, but apparently public sector workers are not de deserving enough of, you know, Pensions are going up 10% this year in line with inflation, because that's how they work. Mm. Um, and it's, it's the workers who pay for the pensions. Absolutely. And it's the workers that helped us Throughout the pandemic, as every sort of Tory MP that lines up to the media rounds keeps suggesting that, you know, we <clears throat> praise them for their work. But where is the, the support for them? I spoke to a few nurses over the weekend, Susie, who are essentially saying it's just really difficult trying to weigh up working in such a rewarding environment where you can see your work, you know, doing good things to help people. But at the same time, you're just struggling to make ends meet 
is struggling to have enough food on the table to get the energy to come into work and help people. It's astonishing that we are essentially punishing these people for just doing their very well best to turn up every day and provide us with such services. And the thing is, Susie, as much as the likes of Transport Secretary Grant Shapps are trying to you know, create this strikes row as a, as a wedge issue, um, around the country, it seems as though many people are supportive of these strikes. You know, we've got the Comrades poll essentially saying that more than 50% of Brits are backing them. I saw in an ITV clip last night, um, a journalist was speaking to a Russian commuter who seemed really annoyed that she just missed a train, like, I mean, sorry, a bus that was. Um, and she was essentially like, I'm really annoyed, like my journey's taken twice as long, but, you know, good, good on them, good on them. I support them all the way. And that seems to be largely the opinion of the people. Um, I think what we must uh, bear in mind is that um, Labour seems to be in, you know, struggling with this turmoil. We've had, well, we've heard of Keir Starmer, Labour leader, telling his front benches to stay away from the issue and not get involved. And, you know, dozens of them defied mm-hmm. their advice. Defied their advice, posting like fun pictures on Twitter, essentially being at the picket line many of them telling me that they didn't even get the memo, they don't know what's going on with internal comms. Um, you know, Starmer's got quite a tricky Prime Minister's questions this afternoon because it seems as though the Tories are not going to let him just try and hide away from this. And it's not, it might not be the first of many strikes that we see this mm-hmm. summer. I hate to call it the summer of discontent because, you know, people are struggling. <laughs> That's why they're really going on the picket line. But essentially... Yeah. I think if we see these strikes as successful, you know, many papers touting that RMT workers might get around the two to three percent increments, possibly tomorrow. Um, so that may encourage other public sector workers to also go and strike later. Yeah. So they're, they're waiting. Today is the the day that the ONS publishes um, its prices uh, for the latest sort of. Uh, collection of data and so uh, there are a number of people in, who are representing unions and public sector workers elsewhere such as the national education union who are waiting for those prices to drop before they write to the government today and saying we would like x percent please now those awards don't come until october or november um so there will be a summer of arguing about it and then people will have to wait and see what happens later in the year of course if inflation drops by then the requirement for pay rise perhaps fades away a bit but if inflation continues or gets worse because the war in ukraine carries on we'll have to wait and see won't we now mike says if pensions are going to rise in line with inflation which seems reasonable why shouldn't wages i actually beat you for once mike i actually got in ahead of you well done me um so keep asking us your questions let us know what you think um how much are you earning how much is your pay going up this year mine's going up that much because i'm freelance I have to negotiate <clears throat> with everybody in a thousand different ways. And actually, they just the same that they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, there's not much I can do about that. I don't have much of a union when you employed for yourself. Now, <clears throat> yesterday's strike was met with fairly robust refusal to back down by Boris Johnson, who predicted a very long, hard road, which probably means he's about to cave in any minute. Treasury officials have been briefing that pay restraint is vital in order to stop this inflation rising even higher and being baked into the economy. But talks behind the scenes, um, going behind the scenes, apparently almost reached agreement on a pay rise before sticking on this issue of cutting maintenance crews on the railway lines, which you'd have thought was quite important and you didn't really want to cut them. 
Um, now, Nick says there's massive public support for the strike, regardless of the inconvenience. Uh, he just had a previous comment saying, I massively support them. Um, and there's been various surveys out showing perhaps 58% of people think the strikes are justified. Maybe because, you know, if the RMT wins this one, then everybody else thinks, well, they're going to have to raise, you know, we've all got the same problem. They're going to have to rise wages across the board. But how's it looking for tomorrow's planned strike then, Aletha? Is it going to go ahead? Is the government going to crumble? Um, are they going to have a last-ditch tent just to try and, elite, uh, try and avoid it? Or do they not care? Do they want the strike? It seems as though they're really enjoying these strikes. Um, you know, we must remember tomorrow we've got two crunch by-elections. We've got one in Wakefield, one in Tiverton and Horniton. The Tories are set to lose both of them. The Tories have also been pitching these strikes for the last couple of weeks as campaigning has been ramping up. As strikes have been created by Labour, which couldn't be further from the truth. You must remember Labour... It's done very well for a party in opposition for 12 years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's really clear Labour's in government, apparently. Um, I mean, <laughs> let's just make sure that's obviously not the case. Um, but, yeah, it seems that Boris Johnson's cabinet, they're desperate to, as I said earlier, like latch on to some sort of wedge issue. And after Brexit, this is all they've got, essentially. Um, they've been fairly... I went to Wakefield last week. Their campaigns have been fairly quiet, essentially, you know, reflecting on the fact that many Wakefield voters backed Brexit. And, you know, if we were to vote Labour, we might have to go back into another referendum, which is not true. Um, so apart from those issues, they really have nothing else. And they're just keen to create division. I spoke to a number of people on the doorstep who can see that from, you know, miles away. And they're like, well, we're fed up of voting for division. We're fed up of fueling that sort of fire. So it'll be interesting to see if voters do, you know, essentially back what they've, well, what they've intended yeah. to do and, you know, vote Labour. But well, again... Perhaps the, the strikes are used to sort of deflect attention from what is what is a, a, a bit of a chink in both the red wall and the blue wall. They lose both of those seats. Now, Sarah says, OK, if the government meet the demands, then fares go up again. Redundancy happens, which it will. What then? She's got a point, isn't she, Aletha? Because if everybody's wages go up to cater for the increased prices, then the increased prices just stay there. And in my, in my fifth decade now on planet Earth, I've never once seen prices come down. They always they go up and they stay up and they get higher and you have to just try and earn a bit more to cover it. That's inflation just seems to be a constant. Um, and this war in Ukraine is not going away. Uh, we've got the post pandemic changes to our economy and society, which also seem to be fairly baked in now. So we've got the situation where, you know, there's lots of talks about these strikes and whether or not they matter, because lots of people are working from home these days anyway. Mm. If you can't go in on the train, it is easier to work from home for a day or two. And there's other people saying, well, look, only one in 20 of us ever commuted on trains before the pandemic. It's not something that affects the majority of us. Um, but, you know, are the unions fighting a losing battle here? If we're not using the trains as much, Services and staff, as Sarah says, they're going to have to be cut anyway, whether wages go up or wages stay as they are. We, things are just changing. We can't do things as we always have. I mean, we must remember that Boris Johnson has been talking for the longest about, you know, how amazing Britain's economy is, especially in comparison to other G7 countries. This isn't the case at the moment. 
we're currently in essentially a low wage, low growth economy, and we need to find ways to increase productivity. And that is up to the government. There are many ways to do that. They're refusing to put their put their hands in their pockets and come up with solutions. And um, it's really, again, like increasing a small minute of pay for public sector workers is not going to suddenly, you know, spiral, make inflation spiral out of control. That's already been done by this Ukraine crisis, essentially. Um, so it's far too easy to be using public sector pay workers as a as a way or as a deflection tactic. And also we must remember that um, Boris Johnson and his government were trying to increase pay for city fat cat workers. And that seems still set to be going forward. That that doesn't need to happen. They're getting paid millions of pounds a year as it is. Why why are they why is their pay increasing? Why cannot public sector pay workers increase? Well, exactly. And there's something interesting as well. The high pay centre says that if um, everybody's pay in the country had gone up by the same amount that the top 20 people in the rich list, their pay has gone up since 2012. So over the last decade, everybody's pay had gone up by the same amount. Every single household in the UK would have an extra £205,000 in its pocket, which would be nice, wouldn't it? just goes to show how the rich are getting richer mm. and it's not trickling down. It's, it's very much staying exactly where it is. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so we'll have to, we can't all go and marry Jeff Bezos. <laughs> There's got to be a different career plan for some of us, especially yeah. those of us who are knocking on a bit. It's just not going to work. I've tried. Um, anyway, keep asking us your questions. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know what your get rich scheme is. Is it to marry Jeff Bezos and destroy his uh, second marriage and try and find another one? Or are you, you're your site set on Elon Musk? Who knows? Um, let us know. Uh, and what do you think about the strikes? How are you coping with them? Are you going to manage to get to work or school or exams? Have you got issues with it? Would you rather that they would stop striking? Get into comments and let us know. But first off, there is another story going around. And on Monday night, you will be surprised to learn that the Tories threw a party. And it wasn't even against the law. I know. Um, now, this was the annual Tory fundraiser, or one of them. And despite there being lots of noisy union protests outside, uh, the party auctioned off. There's a fantastic picture that you can't quite see. It's a small one of a lady in a lovely fur-trimmed stole swanning in jewels past the union protesters with their placards. She looks very snooty and they look very annoyed. <clears throat> that should have been the picture if you ask me. But anyway, um, I'm not the editor. Despite these noisy union protests, um, there are lots of things being auctioned off inside for many times their original value to people who just seem to be throwing good money after bad. So they included something like 65 grand for a safari. Um, That's like half a house to most of us. And 30 grand for a wine tasting experience. I mean, you could just go down Tesco. And we know that they do just go down Tesco with a suitcase. Um, and it's much cheaper by the box. So why they're spending £30,000 on it is beyond me. Um, but among the lots on sale was a dinner with David Cameron, Theresa May and Boris Johnson. This sold apparently for £120,000, presumably to someone who just who didn't know but hit their head or something and didn't know what day of the week it was. Because um, there's absolutely, it would seem, Aletha, zero chance of that dinner ever happening. They hate each other's guts. The chances of those three sitting down to have a nice convivial meal with someone must be vanishingly small. Same chances of me hooking up with Jeff Bezos. 
how ugly he is. Um, now, are these going to be separate dinners, Letha, where they all just complain about each other? Or is it a case of someone has bid for something they know they're never going to have, but it's just an excuse to throw money at the Conservative Party? Am I being yeah, silly? I, mean, I must add the likelihood of Theresa May, especially with Boris Johnson, after she wore this fantastic revenge dress, as she came to vote for, you know, to show her lack of confidence in the Prime Minister is extremely unlikely. She was dressed to the nines. The dress was outstanding, Susie, I must add. Lady Die on Divorce Day. She's thoroughly enjoyed all the compliments journalists are throwing on her. She's really strutting down the committee corridor, taking one step at a time as she marched over to make that vote. It was incredible. Um, I mean, one one attendee actually told Politico, it's quite a funny quote, um, but they suspect this dinner is the kind of thing that, you know, conservative HQ auctions off and it never actually happens, which is essentially a lot like most of government policies um but it, it works for them clearly as you say throwing parties throwing these lavish balls to get lots of money works for them and it's astonishing i mean you know we also had someone paying thirty-seven thousand for a shooting weekend people are going to be given high vis jackets and a five five minute head start if dominic Raab was being put in the clay pigeon machine you know being then chucked out Oh, right, I'll do it. I'll <laughs> I'm sure there'll be loads of people lining up behind you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's worth remembering, isn't it? Whenever the Tories, the attack against Labour is always you're funded by the unions, these mm. militant lunatics who tell you what to do. Um, but the unions do at least uh, are, are voted, they, you know, they vote for their leaders. Mm. And they represent thousands and thousands of workers who pay their subs. Um but on the conservative side, they are funded by individuals who aren't voted for by anybody, but who are representing themselves and their own business interests. And the Tory argument is, well, they're representing thousands of workers too. But the workers didn't vote for them to be the boss. And the boss is doing what suits the boss, not what necessarily suits the workers. So, you know, I can just imagine if Labour had an auction, right, involving dinner with Corbyn and Miliband and Kinnock um, and the unions were just throwing thousands of pounds at it of their members fees the Tories would absolutely tear them apart quite reasonably it's not yeah. very good behaviour and it just, yeah. I, it's just it's beyond me why unions get attacked for influencing things politically when that is the point of a union absolutely and this cash for access culture that the Tories have long been drowning in and you know enjoying is just somewhat accepted I mean we had Annalise Dodd slamming that and highlighting the fact that this these sort of bashes raises serious questions as to who really is pulling the strings in the Conservative Party that happens to be in government at the moment is it the likes of these people that are influencing such policies to not help people get pay rises like in the midst of a deepening cost of living crisis there's lots of questions raised here and it's something that Boris Johnson will have to answer at some point, and maybe it's these crunch by elections. Who knows? Who's giving 120 grand, and is it someone who's telling his staff that he can't afford to pay them anymore? <laughs> That's what I want to know because <clears throat> I put, put my house on that one, to be honest. Right, thanks, Letha. Um, 
Now, so get into the questions, everybody. Ha have you got any concerns about the way the Conservatives are raising their money? Or do you think this is perfectly reasonable? How much would you pay to see David Cameron, Theresa May and Boris Johnson in the same room? Would you just lock the door and leave them there forever? Or would you want to go in and have a meal with them? And what would you say if you did? Are they your ideal dinner party guests? Do let us know. But first off, uh, there is some good news in the world. We've hunted for it. Here it is. Now, the cost of living is pretty grim these days. You can't even afford a pint to drown your sorrows because it's about six pounds a pint in the UK. But some enterprising souls have found the cheapest places in the world to have a beer. And the good news is it's only 84 pence in Ho Chi Minh City, followed by a pound 25 in Turkey. Now, Aletha, how many do you think, have a guess, how many beers would I have to drink in Ho Chi Minh City to make it worth the package holiday? Oh, man, Susie, maths is not my strong point, so I deal with words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a quick calculation here. So um, it's about, if I, I could buy... 100, it's about £949 to fly to Ho Chi Minh City, right, on return from the UK at the mm. moment. That is equivalent of 158 pints of beer in the UK. 158 so, pints? 158 wow. pints of beer um, in the UK. But at Vietnamese beer prices, I would have to drink Vietnamese beer. That's the downside. Mm. But at Vietnamese prices, that would buy me 1,129 pints of beer. I mean. So if I got to Ho Chi Minh, I'd, I would have to drink quite a lot of beer to um, to make it worth my while going. But I'd be prepared to give it a try. Right. Don't knock it until you've tried it, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, perhaps that's a way to keep the cost of living down. Just fly to the cheapest place and then make up for the money you've just spent by killing yourself with alcohol when you get there. Maybe that's a solution. It seems to be working for some of the Conservative Party anyway. Um, okay, thanks, Aletha, for joining us. We've got to dash and get away early today. Um, thank you, everyone, for taking part. And we will see you again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. Don't forget to wear the coordinating clothes. And if you, are, if you are listening to us later on the podcast, please leave us a review because it helps other people find us. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.